Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991. From the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between, we will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Hi, this is Nikki. And this is John, and thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Christina Applegate plays Swell, the oldest of five irresponsible children. Their single mom is leaving the country for a couple months with her boyfriend, but unexpectedly puts them under the care of a babysitter who dies the next day. Not wanting to ruin mom's vacation, Swell and the rest of the kids have to band together to get through the summer. Screenplay by Neil Landau and Tara Eisen, Directed by Stephen Herrick and released on June 7th, 1991. So have you seen this movie before? Yes, I've seen this movie a hundred times. Maybe, <laughs> I figured you maybe might more. have. <laughs> I figured you might have. <laughs> I, I think I've only seen maybe the very beginning and the end scene. Like the fashion show part. Okay. I know I've seen that. But, like, all of the middle stuff is completely new to me. Wow. That's... I I don't know why I saw, like, the end scenes. Well, I think... To me, I think this was always on HBO, like, repeatedly. And then I think later on in the 90s, it was on, like, Comedy Central or, or, like, TBS. Or maybe even MTV or VH1, but it was kind of edited, you know? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I might have seen it just waiting for something else to start. But yeah, I have not seen the whole thing. Um, I probably saw the best parts oh, really? <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, the fashion show. Like, the beginning show, and the yeah. ending are, like, the most fun parts, and then, like, the middle I mean, the is... part where they're getting ready for the fashion show, that's fun. Yeah, but I saw that as part of the end. Like I oh, saw, okay. I saw like that whole last like fifteen twenty. Oh, okay. Sequence. I thought you meant you just saw the fashion show no. and nothing like leading up to it. No, like the the whole like prep of the house. Okay, thing. yeah, because yeah, that was fun. That. But I mean, the middle part where she gets a job and whatnot. Um, to me, this whole movie is fun. You may have. You may have nostalgia going for you, or yeah. I don't, and this may be interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, the movie was on all the time, I guess. Um, and I don't know, I, I think maybe part of the reason why it has any sort of cult following is because of the name of the movie. Why don't we just sort of get into that right away? Okay. Because... It is sort of an unusual title. Like, it's unusually long. It's, like, yeah. weirdly catchy, even though it is so long. And it's, like... They don't really say... Um, do they even say, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead? Not as a catchphrase, no. Yeah. But they, you know... I mean, it's implied. It's in, well, I mean, they say we don't want to... Yeah, we don't want to tell know. mom... Yeah. We don't want to ruin her vacation, you know. Um, 
But yeah, they don't. They don't say it. No one like looks to at the camera, and like there's no like titular line type of <laughs> scenario. But I think okay, the movie was supposed to be called The Real World, right? Yeah. If if IMDb is to believed, um, and they scrapped that because of the MTV series that was being shot and planned for like Nine, the next year. Yeah, the next year. Yeah. So I don't know why that would affect things so far off into the future when this is middle of 1991. I think that didn't go until like middle of 92. I think MTV told them, hey, don't name this the real world because we are about to release a show called the real world. Yeah, I guess if I guess if they're related companies, I, I don't know who produced this and if they had any sort of ties to MTV, if they would have that sort of sway. Um, but I think if the movie was called the real world as they originally planned, I don't think it would have had nearly as much traction. I think the appeal yeah. of the quirky title is a lot. Uh, yeah. Of Cause I mean, to me, I may, this is probably more of a kid's movie. <laughs> like if the I don't, title lends itself to yeah. think it is. Yeah. Even though what is this like PG 13? Uh huh. Yeah, there's there's like an F bomb in there. I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, but like other than that, I, I know they also specifically dubbed over lines in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. You could tell, and I mean, there are the, there the are some release. uncomfortable the, there are uncomfortable parts in this movie, but yeah, to nothing me, that wasn't kid friendly at the time. I guess. Yeah. For I mean, early teens. Yeah, I guess growing up, I was just. You know, this is kind of like another, you know, adventures and babysitting type of thing. Yeah, sort of, I guess. But less adventure. And I kind of wanted the... Like <laughs> you I, wanted an adventure? I wanted adventure. Yeah, I mean, it's like, don't tell mom the baby babysitter's dead. Leads you to believe that they're going to be, like, hiding and covering up this person's death for, like, most of the movie. Or that it's going to come back to bite them. And it just doesn't. Yeah, it really doesn't. But, which... I mean, those are plot now watching this, you know, as a 30 years later. I mean, you know, a lot of things in this movie are problematic. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like plot holes and like the plot and stuff like the whole thing with her, the babysitter dying. And then Sue Ellen just uses her car. Right. (laughs) And then the car is stolen. Like, I thought that would be something. I thought like her using the car would like. Have the cops, you know, pull her over at some point, or uh, you know, the, I, or that I they would like that track would down the too, car, or you know, something I feel like that would be too much. Like it, then it'll just be too adult. <laughs> I don't know. Like I thought, I mean, but like Weekend at Bernie's wasn't adult, right? And yeah, that was like, okay. you know, I wasn't expecting them to be, you know, carrying her around, but at least like find a way to pretend like she's still alive. You weekend at to Bernie's dupe it? Some people. They sort of like did do when a the home mom alone thing where they're you know you have like oh, pulleys okay. and dancing. You know what I mean? Like I I was expecting like a little bit of that. Okay. But they didn't. You know the babysitter's there for like the first couple minutes of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that because yeah the that first part I kind of remember I don't remember that well was when the babysitter arrives. I did not realize she died literally that night. I thought yeah. it was like a couple days because right. I, I sort of remember her saying, you guys got to clean this house up. And I thought she made like a 
chore wheel of who's like she was starting she did have to the board that they yeah, hopped yeah. over on the way to confront but her. i thought that was over a span of a couple days right. i didn't know it was like day one or yeah. night one <laughs> yeah i was kind and of then, expecting more like that too that but in a way that's good that you just sort of jump in and get her out of the way to move yeah. on with the story instead of building up you know you have a couple quick scenes where you show that she was nice to the mom and then is immediately yeah. this tyrant to these kids. That's all you needed, you know? You don't need, like, a huge buildup of why they hate her or anything. I mean, it, I don't know if it would have been good just to show, you know, because she never really met Kenny, the brother, the oldest right. brother. Right. She just saw his room, and that basically caused her to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that would have been interesting if but, that was the action. you know, like, if he, you know, just at least another day where he arrives, and there's, like, an interaction between her, the babysitter, and him, and just see, you know, I know this is, like, the summer. Right. So it's not like she can tell these kids, you know, go to school and blah, blah, blah. Right. But she did tell that the younger brother to write a book report about yeah. the aardvark. Well, because he was watching Win, Loser, Draw. <laughs> you know, which is And TV will rot your better. brain. And I like, know. Man, like, ask him to draw a picture of an aardvark. <laughs> and then, you know, see if Burt can But I guess ask. just, uh, it would have been, I don't know if it would have been cool, but I guess it would have been interesting just to see what it was like for her to be the babysitter at least for like two days maybe just to see like hey because you know how they were when sue ellen comes home from with her friends or whatever Mm -hmm. and she's in her room and then the younger siblings are like we hate the babysitter let's do something about it right like what if they showed them actually try to like you know prank her or something (laughs) <laughs> yeah, then it would have been definitely more of a kids movie, and yeah. I think it would have had like more of a maybe that adventurous tone that I was looking for. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm but, fine with how it is. Yeah, but. I mean, with with the with the way the plot was structured and her having to like get a job or you know yeah, find a way to support them immediately, I'm glad they didn't drag it out. Mm-hmm. But if they wanted to go a different direction, then yeah, like, let's build up that whole thing, have her die, like, at the end of the first act, and then have them try to cover their tracks, or, you know, not have someone, you know, if they have, like, a nosy neighbor or something who's, like, checking in on them or something, and they have to try to pretend like she's still alive, that could have been a whole different movie Mm -hmm. with a similar thing. But I just don't think that was ever in the cards, because the original title may not have been Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Mm-hmm. So, but if they didn't have the title, they also wouldn't have had that that cover that the you know the poster or the video cover, which I think really helps the appeal of the movie too. Like it's very yeah, dramatic and, and visually interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I think those things really did end up helping it quite a bit, get it more traction than it probably deserved, in my personal opinion. Um, I liked that. The mom wasn't an enemy in this. I liked that they didn't have anything against this boyfriend who we de- we never see, you know. And they're like, we don't want to ruin mom's time away from us. Like, let's try to do yeah, what we can I, to handle this. I like that aspect. I just, I wish I knew what the mom did to have that 
giant house, and then the <laughs> house was it she looked has as five kids and a corgi, and she's like only thirty seven years old. Yeah, which makes me feel. I know. <laughs> too. But but the yeah, other thing huge is house in, in that LA, the house I is guess, ex- right? they're outside of L A. Outside of L A. But still. Yeah, I wish I knew what she did as a job or just more about her life or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, she doesn't even get a name in this movie. She's just the she mom. Is, she's just mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, played by Conceta Tomei, who went on to do Providence, the TV show Providence. Uh, in China Beach, she was on that one around the same time, so she wasn't in Australia. She probably just, you know, left China <laughs> Beach for a couple of days to film this and then went right back to <laughs> and that. Then, yeah, because she's in the movie in the first five minutes and the last five minutes, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's about it, yeah. And then she was also in a TV series with Dabney Coleman called Mad Men of the People. Um, and I bring that up because another cast member was also in a TV show with Dabney Coleman. I thought it was interesting that two of them did. Hmm. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about the mom, I'm just thinking, um, I I mean, she doesn't have much of a role. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing I was, uh, surprised about was, yeah, she's 37 with five. And I know she has like an 18 year old. 17. Oh, 17. Yeah. So, okay. Swell is supposed to be 17. Okay. So she was 20 when she Mm -hmm. had her first child. Yeah. The age matches. Um, yeah. But she leaves the house in a complete disaster. Like, the house is a The house is a mess. Yeah. The one thing that it wasn't very clear is they kept on saying the lawn needs mowing, but it just looked like a freaking dirt field with, like, some patches of grass that were not that tall. And they kept on saying how the lawn desperately needed to be mowed. Yeah, I mean, if they're outside of L.A., that's very deserted and... There's not much of a lawn. They no, <laughs> really. There was a lot of space for a lawn. Yeah, but it, but it, it was, was just a lot like of dirt with random dead patching. grass and it's pretty short grass. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the kitchen was a disaster. There's food and everything strewed everywhere. everywhere There's like garbage the up and down just, the stairs, yeah, like piles like a, of newspapers. It looks like a hoarder's house or like a dorm, like okay. a college <laughs> dorm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Irresponsible college students, and so she loves, leaves it that way. And you know, those uh, if, it's a bunch of kids, it's a bunch of kids. I'm just thinking <laughs> she's a about, single mom who's yeah. working at the same time, right? I'm just so thinking about my mom, where like if that house had like one room was dirty, like we would get our ass kicked, like yeah. everything had to be cleaned at like all times, yeah. So I, I know that, and plus, she has like teen aged children. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't she be like, hey, Suellen, can you at least wash the dishes or do whatever the hell? And then, hey, Kenny, can you take out the garbage and that's mow the does. lawn? That's what and she And they does. don't and even listen don't to her. And then that's like, why she's leaving. She's like, fuck these kids. Kind of. <laughs> they don't listen to me. Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's sort of... The messy house is part of the plot, really, because the whole right. general idea is that they need to learn how to turn their lives around and, and get things in order. Yeah, become responsible human beings. And, and part of the reason for that is that uh, Mrs. Sturak, who was the babysitter who died, um, was given a bunch of money at the start uh, of this whole thing. Um, when she dies, the kids drop her off at a mortician's 
place or a funeral home um, just in like a steamer trunk type of a thing with like nice old lady dead inside. Yeah. It, because she, she, the woman doesn't have any family, right? She doesn't have How any. How do they know that? She, they were told at some point, I guess. Okay. I don't remember if it was actually said in I the know movie that, or they just explained <laughs> it through dialogue later. I just know that, yeah, I understand that they don't want to call the cops because then the cops will have to call their mom. They'll be like, where's right. your mom? Yeah, you no longer have an adult supervisor in this house. Someone needs to be here. Right, because Sue Ellen is technically not 18 yet. Right. And they have a dad that they don't want to contact Yeah, they don't want either. to contact their father. I mean, I understand that. At least they explain things and not just be like, hey. To a degree, yeah. Let's drop this lady's dead body on. Right. But yeah. They don't, because that's the first thing that you think of. Like, oh, this woman died. What are we going to do? Let's call the cops. But, you know. Right. Obviously, they're not going to. They were going to. Just hide her in, like, the crawl space or whatever by the house, weren't they? Or, like, in a bunker type of an area? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just imagining it because they had, like, a top... A shot from, like, down on the ground looking up at them. Oh, I see. And I think it might have been from from the perspective of her... I think that was, like, from her dead body. ...in the Raisins sheet. Oh. Um... And I just assumed that they were going to, like, hide her in some sort of, like, you know... I think she was already out. in the trunk and... Oh, maybe that's what it was. So, yeah, they, they drop her off, but unbeknownst to them, they drop her off with all of the cash in her pockets. Mm-hmm. And they can't go back now because they saw her being brought into the mortuary place. Yeah, and they can't say, hey, we dropped off this old dead lady. Right, we need that money inside her pockets. Right. So they messed up, and now they're completely broke and need, you know, cash for the next couple months, and so someone needs to get a job. Uh, They flip a pizza box for it Uh between the two oldest, which is... uh, Kenny. Yeah, we didn't say his name. Oh, yeah, we did. Kenny, who's the second oldest. He's like the fuck-up stoner kid. Um, and then Swell or Sue Ellen, who is the oldest, and she loses and has to get the job. So. Yeah, and then Kenny has to stay home to yes, watch and the he is younger to take siblings. Care of the younger kids. Yes. Yeah. Of which there's four. Gosh. <laughs> yes. They all have their own, like, sort of. Well, three, because it's him yeah, plus three, others. three younger. Yeah, yeah. So you got Melissa, who's like the tomboy girl. Um, you got Zach, who's like this prim and proper ladies' man type of a dude. Mm-hmm. And then you have Walter, who's like just the standard kid who just wants to watch TV game shows all day. Yeah. All day. So he he's me. Yeah. So <laughs> when we were watching this, I was like, "That is you yeah. as a kid, and you now." <laughs> yeah. Especially if like Win Loser Draw was on like one of those game show networks, then yeah. yeah I, Absolutely. I wish when Loser Draw was on something, Me like too. Pluto TV or something. Yeah, that would be nice. At least we got classic concentration every once in a while now. But Bring back Win Loser Draw. Yeah, and the Scrabble game show was fun, too. If you know, because we know the Hollywood big wigs out there with the rights to these game shows are listening yeah, to this these, podcast. You know, so, you know, yeah. bring, bring what we like back. Give me the Nick games. All and the newer channel. games that are on now, yeah, are not that fun. <laughs> Scrabble or win, lose, or draw. Exactly. That's what I thought. Um, I 
know we're going off, but I thought the Hollywood <laughs> game night would do something like that. Yeah. And they don't do that. No, they don't. They do more, like, singing charades stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's still fine. Yeah, that but, one's okay, but if they did drawing, then that would be... I think just in general, win, lose, or draw fun. would be a good game for them to bring back. Right. As a, as a reboot, if they wanted to. I think that's okay. just a general, <laughs> generally good game. Um, so she gets a job at Clown Dog. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, your your standard crappy fast food job. Yeah. And she quits, like, almost immediately. That was another thing that I, I thought she was working there at least a couple days. I didn't know she was hired that day, and then she quit that same day. <laughs> I guess. I mean, people got jobs, and we're starting to work, like, immediately a couple well, different times. Well, once we get to her other job, <laughs> we can talk about that, too. Yeah, which will be pretty quick, because there isn't much happening in between those two well this is where she meets josh or i should say brian josh charles Brian, yeah, played (laughs) by josh charles yeah of uh at this point i think he had been doing most known for dead poet society probably these days he's known for the good wife yeah most because he has you know the golden globe nomination and emmy nominations from that and then i know him from sports night which is like one of my favorite shows yeah, I'm watching The Good Wife now, and it's it was weird to see him in this movie, in this role, and then know how he is in The Good Wife. And I have not seen Good Wife, I know. so I don't... All I know is Dan Rydell, and he is pretty similar to Dan Rydell mm. in, in this movie. So, he meets her, she meets him, whatever... She quits. <laughs> she quits. He's the delivery driver for this hot dog place, which is weird that the fast food like chili dog location has a delivery driver, but they do. And it's like an ice cream truck looking thing. It is. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I want to know his delivery route, because if they're outside of L.A. and then he's going all over L.A. is a huge ass town mm-hmm. or city. It's just, he's going all the way, basically, downtown to deliver Clown Dog to his sister. Yeah. From wherever. I mean, she says that she makes a special trip for her. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's not within his normal delivery parameters. He makes a special trip for her. I'm thinking this is probably still outside of L.A. Yeah. Most likely. So that's like an hour or so outside of his route. Wouldn't he, uh, like, get in trouble? Close. I don't know. <laughs> like, wouldn't he get in trouble with the boss? Mm, clearly not. Saying, hey, you're spending too much time uh, just delivering this one meal. <laughs> clearly not. You can always rationalize say it's traffic. Not yeah. like they have, like, GPS tracking on these guys anymore. Or at that point. Um. And plus, the boss is super happy. As long as you do things with a smile on your face, then you're good. Yeah, this is kind of like office space with the 50 pieces of flair. Yeah, kind of. Type of situation. And it's like that the boss's name was Mr. Egg. Yeah. <laughs> like, no no real explanation. No other real character kinda development. kind of looked like a Mr. Egg. Yeah. So, uh, so um, yeah, works there for like a day, meets him. That's about it. Moving on. I don't know. <laughs> they, they go, do they go out on the, the date whole, before no. he, she gets the job or the second job or no? Do they meet at the beach before she gets the second job or no? 
they, I think, no, because no, okay. she, oh yeah, basically they, that night, yeah, they she they quits. part and separate, they go their own separate ways. Yeah, because they didn't. They were just talking. They yeah. weren't like, "Hey, let's go out immediately." Like, yeah, they were just like talking, slightly flirting or whatever. And he, yeah, and then he was like, "Well, if you don't like it here, why don't you just quit?" And she's like, "Okay, I will." And she quit. Yeah, yeah. And then then she's like, you know what? the hell do I do? She's at Chuck E. Cheese it with Kenny. The, yeah, it wasn't until the car got stolen. Yeah. By three Which is drag pretty much, queens. Yes. I was trying... And I don't know why. That... I was trying to find out who those three drag queens were. And oh, yeah, that would be interesting. I couldn't find... Like, I know the actors' names. Okay. But I didn't... I thought they would be, you know, well-known drag queens. Yeah. But they're not. They were just... Three men, just dressed three actors. As, three actors they, dressed as women, because I thought they would have been, you know, like around this time, you know, with yeah, like Tu Wong Fu or whatever. I because in Tu Wong, yeah, L.A. drag queens to choose. Oh from. yeah, there are L.A. drag queens for but sure. I was going to look up like, oh, are they? You know, were they? You know, like RuPaul yeah. at was the it time, like a weird fun cameo. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, or Lady Bunny. I'm trying to think of, like, mm-hmm. the drag queens from the early days, quote, unquote. Right, yeah. And then I was like, who are they? And then I just, I did, I was trying so hard to find, it was just three men dressed as women, basically. Okay. So, yeah, they're they're having dinner at Charles Entertainment Cheese. Yes, Charles Fromage. Charles Fromage Restaurant. Um, and then they come out in the... The car that isn't theirs gets stolen by three drag queens. Why it's drag queens, I don't know. But at one point, they dub over a line where Kenny clearly says shit, but it's dubbed to say Liza. So it's, yeah, like, it's really weird. Like so, they did that to get a PG-13 rating, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and it's just weird so that he would just it say, doesn't match. Yeah, I know. It, it, just, it just not even close to matching. So for some reason, drag queens are stealing the car. Don't know why, you know, that. But um doesn't come up again. But they can't do anything yeah, about they the don't car care. being stolen because it wasn't their car to begin with. Right. And they call Brian slash Josh Charles I mean, those three... to come and rescue them and drive them back home. If we extend this story further, those three drag queens, I mean, if they find out or did any investigation of this old woman who died. Yeah. The police could have been a fun subplot. Yeah. That's yeah. the police could track the woman. Mr. Eck is her name. We didn't even really say that. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Eck. <laughs> she was played by uh, Etta Reese Marin. I don't know how to pronounce the name, honestly. Um, she did a whole bunch of work, character actress stuff. A lot of her stuff is uncredited. And then yeah. later in her life, she, you know, just got like the old woman role. Right. Um, she had been in Ghostbusters. She did a voice for Black Cauldron as well. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of notable roles. But, I mean, she made the most of her time in this movie. Right. But anyway, yeah, Mrs. Sturak was her name. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, the cops can trace... Mrs. Sturrock's car, and then if it's they find that it's stolen by three drag queens, those three drag queens are going to be charged with murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they could have made something like, like I said, they like could a have subplot. made it some sort of an adventure thing where 
the kids think they're going to be in trouble, and then, like, this is their way out of trouble because then it gets pinned on these drag queens. You know what I mean? I don't know. There could have been, like, stuff that could have happened. I don't know. Whatever. Instead, it's like, work sucks, the movie. Well, that's... (laughs) I mean, it was going to be called The Real World, so they're like, ugh, I gotta find a job. I know. (laughs) Again. And then, yeah, I mean... The benefits and drawbacks of a Working at, like, McDonald's, ugh, this sucks. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is, like, typical teenage... Like, no teenager really wants to work at McDonald's, but, I mean, if you want to get paid... Yeah. You stay working there, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So. But she's just like, I want a better job because we need the monies now for the next two months. Yeah. And she's the only one who can do work. Um, So so. then she copies a resume from an actual resume book. Like, word for word. I, I'm thinking... I know she says she changes things around a she bit. She says she changed her name. Oh, and that was it? I, maybe one other thing, but yeah. No, I changed my... I put my name on the top or something I mean, like wouldn't you want to, like, just tweak? Because I was looking at some of what she supposedly was doing, and it was, like, working in Tokyo at mm-hmm. Comme des Garçons. From X amount of years. And I'm like, how old, like, what age is she supposed to be portraying? I don't know. She, clearly somebody who had graduated college at least and been in the workforce for a couple years. So, like, 27 or something? Like, Like 10 years older than? Late 20s, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but she takes her resume into this place called GAW, General Apparel West, um, to apply for a receptionist job with this resume of all these high accolade things. Right. Gets into it with the receptionist, who is Carolyn, uh, played by Jane Brooke, who is in Kindergarten Cop. She was in Ed, which was the Matt LeBlanc monkey baseball movie, if you remember, mm, that existing. I know her from Chicago Hope. She was also in Chicago Hope, and she was also in Sport Night, Sports Night, where she played a therapist of Dan Rydell, and so they became they love interests too, huh. in, that movie, in that show. Or, you know, they, they dated in that show. So this is another TV show tie-in because there are two other people in this movie that were also on a TV show together. Okay. I'm not sure if I know that connection, if I wrote that down or not, but... Well, I have more info. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> later, later on. Then. Uh, but yeah, Jane Brooke in this movie plays Josh Charles's sister, the receptionist ends up being uh, Brian's sister, but in, in Sport Night, uh, brother they're, and sister of... lovers. <laughs> yes, they are. They are dating briefly in a couple episodes in the second season. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> uh, what, what's her name? Carolyn. I got, I got to not confuse her with Kathy, who is also another office worker, played by Kimmy Robertson from Twin Peaks. Um, That's the other show that... Okay. So, um, ah, yes, I do know what you're talking about then. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Carolyn, we're getting off track. Uh, Carolyn is the receptionist. She knows that she's trying to move up in the company. She's supposed to become the assistant to Rose, who is one of the uh, VPs in the the company. And then um, uh, Sue Ellen is trying to take over her spot. 
Yes. Um, Carolyn is completely assy to her, like a complete yeah, asshole. Yeah, she talks to her like she's well. two years old. Yes. And Just is automatically a, of, like a, a bitch to her. Yeah. Like, she started it, I'm thinking. like Yeah, but I can understand, like... Ugh, these people don't know how to follow directions. I'm sick of babysitting the general public anymore. I'm just going to tell her. But how did, gonna, like, I take mean. I'm going to out on her finally. Yeah, I get so it. So I understand the mentality behind it, even if you wouldn't go that far as to actually, like, treat people like, that way. I don't see, what, whenever I get annoyed with, like, to that level, I'm, like, internalizing it in my brain. I'm like, yeah. this motherfucker is so stupid. Yeah. But I'm not, like, telling her, like. She's externalizing it. Yeah. Here. And being a complete mm-hmm. asshole, and it makes the character so much more fun. Yes. Um, and so something happens. Carolyn gets pulled away from her desk. Rose goes up to the desk. Um, Says, and, where's Carolyn? Yeah, where's Carolyn? And, and, and Sue Ellen's like, oh, that... She had to take care of something. <laughs> yeah. And... Gets to talking about Rose and how she was going to, you know, apply for the receptionist job. Rose takes her resume and says, wait a minute, you're overqualified for a receptionist job. You should work for me. You should be my assistant. And this is where I have, like, issues and problems because she starts, like, immediately. Immediately. They do not go to HR whatsoever. Like, there's no they need of social, social security Yeah, they don't, have, they don't check licenses. her ID. They don't... Get her social security card. No. How is she going to get paid? I yeah, I don't know. But she this does is get where a check I was like, point. okay, this is where issues begin. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought she was faking her name because I'm a dumbass too. Because yeah. she, she goes by Sue Ellen in here, yeah. and the rest of the movie she goes by Swell, and I did not make the connection until you told me that I was being a dumbass. Well, because <laughs> and later on in the movie, I when she just made up a fake name. No, it's just her nickname. <laughs> yeah. It's just Sue Ellen yeah. for short. Swell. No, it's just me advertising to the world that I'm an idiot. <laughs> I thought. You, I mean, it's so obvious. I don't know. To you, who's seen the movie a million times, me who doesn't know that Swell could have been a pet name and maybe just like an unusual name for a girl. Like um, precious or <laughs> chastity or something. Swell. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, she's going by her her real name, formal name of Sue Ellen yeah. instead of Swell. Because you were asking, like, well, why didn't you know when Brian comes and visits her sister at some point, and you're like, well, why didn't Brian turn around when she heard the name Su- when when uh, she said Sue Ellen? Because, I mean, I how many Sue She goes by Swell, and he I, knows her as Swell. And I didn't make the connection. In my mind, how many Sue Ellens are there in the world? Right. So, the sister knows that her younger brother is dating a Swell, I think. I don't know if they... I don't know if she knows the name. Okay. But he does. But he knows because and he probably she's like knows Sue Allen at least. Yeah, or should. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't know if they their dating was like, hey, my real name is Sue Ellen, and everyone calls me Swell. Yeah. But wouldn't you connect two and two together? Where she, when you know Sue Ellen sees Carolyn talking to her brother, and then she stops in the hallway, she's kind of listening. And Carolyn's like, Sue Ellen, do you have a problem? Uh And then, you know, 
Brian turns around real quickly, but, you know, she goes into an office. Right. But, I mean, Brian wouldn't he be like, Sue Ellen, I'm dating a Sue Ellen. Right. So, one of two things could be true. One is he's a complete idiot like I am, right? And not making a connection between the names. Or two, making the assumption that there's no possible way That's that a 17-year-old would be working in this office. I mean, because she never really said what she did. That's another right. thing why they, quote, broke up. Because yeah, yeah. she wasn't telling him where she worked. Right, because she had to hide the whole concept of the job because she was lying about everything to get the job. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Um. All right. Well, <laughs> she's in the she job. Gets, she gets the job like in five seconds. And then, yes. you know, Rose is, you know, showing her everything about like introducing her to everyone like that same day. I think that's like to yeah. me, that's insane. Yeah. Completely overloading her with information, but then also saying, yeah, go do these things, make, you know, fax this over for me, do this report for like me. Like, day, not even and, day one. Like, she yeah. she was literally just trying to apply. Yeah. Like, she, no interview process or anything. No, you're, you're qualified, come with me. This is, so, like, it's another thing. magic. I know, this is <laughs> another, like, this is the other thing where, I mean, trying to get a job nowadays, it's like, you need a master's, and you need to, like, land on the moon, and yeah. know how to, like, All for perform brain, internship. yeah, 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 perform brain surgery to get, like, a, yeah, unpaid internship yeah. nowadays. Yeah, we're creating this brand new position in the industry that never existed. You know, you need 10 years experience in this industry in order to apply. Right. Yeah. That's how job hunting is these days. And then, you know, she just shows her a fake resume <laughs> and then starts working. <laughs> so, uh, but she has help from people like Kathy who uh, was the receptionist Lucy in Twin Peaks. Yes. We'll see her again as the feather duster in the Beauty and the Beast animated movie. Well, yeah. At some point. She's the voice, yeah. Yeah. So we won't see her. She'll, we'll hear her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she offers to help with reports because she's really good at computers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I don't know, I just like, I, I like her characters, in, in especially Twin Peaks, but this was good too. Um, and then she meets uh, the other douchebag. Well, there's three douchebags in the office if you count the receptionist. Like all them. Yeah. Well. Um, David Duchovny. She meets David Duchovny's character, Bruce, who is demanding some report or some price breakdown or some crap. And he has this weird New York accent that doesn't really fit. And it's kind of like... Like, he's uh, trying to do it to become, like, it, that's his way to become, like, more dickish, is to just adopt a I know, it's kind of like, it reminded me of the accent of Arthur in oh, The, it, the in Butler and Other People's Mummy. It's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you want, like, that yeah. very over-the-top, what you think a New York accent should be. And I don't know if it stayed with him the rest of the movie. Not if really. It's just that, that scene. Well, because he was like... You know, whatever happened to, you know, because he's like oh, yeah. motioning like motioning for like the, the big boob lady. Yeah, who the used boob. To work here. He's like, whatever happened to, you know, and he's like making the big boobs, you know, right. motion. 
What happened to and she's like, what are you even talking about? It's like, look, I'm busy. Go away. Yeah. Um, so she is hated by Bruce because, you know, she blew him she off. She blew him off for and whatever said, he's hey, asking. yeah. Carolyn's mad because Bruce she took dating job. Carolyn and they both hate her. I don't know if they're specific. Are they dating for sure? I thought or they, are they just were. like scheming together. Oh, I thought they were together. Could be either way. Who knows? But they're buddy buddy both trying to ruin right. Swell's life. Yeah. Um, or try to find some dirt on her. Because she's like the she quickly becomes the darling of the office and can yes. do no wrong. And they're like, no, we need something better. We need something better to, to pin this on. Um, I think for David Duchovny, this is before X-Files, right? So this is really like one of his earlier, you know, he hadn't done X-Files yet. No, was like but 92, this is during Twin Peaks time. Yeah, so he had been in Twin Peaks with... Uh, Kimmy. With Kimmy as, I forget what his character name was in the first part. I don't know. But he's he's in a couple episodes of Twin Peaks, and we'll also see him again in a movie called The Rapture, which was also 1991. Is, this is also like, I mean, this is well in the beginning of his career, because I, I think mm-hmm. in the next year, that's when he did, like, Retro Diaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Retro Diaries came later. <laughs> Obviously, Californication was much later, too. Yeah. That's where he got a lot of his nominations for Emmys and Golden Globes and whatnot. He was DEA agent Denise Bryson. Okay. But he was Dennis in the first couple seasons, though, right? Or was he always Denise in the show? Uh, I believe... I thought it was yeah, just the third yeah, season yeah. he was Denise. The second? The reboot part. Oh, okay. It's been a while. Yeah, he was Dennis Bryson, but then he fully, I guess, transitioned and wanted to be known as Denise. Yeah. But I can't remember if that happened during the original broadcast of the show or if that was... I thought it was during the second part of the reboot season. season that they recently Because did. there is a, a couple episodes where he's dressed as a woman oh. and he was like, call me... Oh, okay. Now call me Denise. So I but I think maybe in the third season, I don't know if he... He was fully Denise, yeah, but so... Whatever. She, I should say. Yeah, Like, yeah, she yeah. becomes... So. Denise. Yeah. Saying he in terms of the actor. Yeah. So, um, anyway, tangent, <laughs> all over the place tangents. Um, so she's doing well on this job overall. And in order to help cover her cash woes before she gets paid, since it's going to be two weeks before she gets paid and they need money now, she mm-hmm. discovers the petty cash drawer and well, steals she's told money from, about it cash from Rose. And then. Yes. We never even said who Rose was. Uh, you mean in real life? Yes. Yeah, okay, so Rose Lindsay was played by Joanna Cassidy. Um, she's a Golden Globe winner for a TV show called Buffalo Bill, which she did with Dabney Coleman. So that's why I want to <laughs> bring it up, is that uh, we have two actors who did separate TV series with Dabney Coleman. Um, she also had an Emmy nomination for that same show. Um, she's... In Blade Runner, she was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, she's in a couple more 1991 movies, and I think probably most notably recently, she was in Six Feet Under. Yes, that's, as, that's as how I know her. The mother of um, what's the character's name? Well, it's Margaret. She's Margaret Chenoweth. She's the mother of Brenda Chenoweth. Yeah, who's who's like Nate's wife. Anyway, Joanna Cassidy. 
good actress. <laughs> <laughs> and she's really good in this too. I, I really like her character. She's like super happy and perky and, and like um demanding of her employees, but like in this like, you know, upbeat way mm-hmm. and just has tons of energy and it's it's just she's she's fun to watch. Um so yeah, Rose is like, you know, really very driven and, and wanting to get things done and Swellen is doing everything she can to make that happen, um, even yeah. if it means getting other people to do her work for her and sort of like fake, fake doing her job well. <laughs> so, I was just gonna say that she just seems like a really cool boss to work with. She doesn't seem like she would get mad at you if you do something wrong. Yeah, maybe it's tough to say because anytime they present anything wrong about what like Swellen's what doing, doing, she was just like, just like, like Oh, you're was, just jealous basically. Yeah. I mean, Carolyn would always try to be like, Oh, well she didn't do this report. Mm-hmm. So-and-so did. And then Suellen, I mean, <laughs> Suellen would get this look on her face like, Oh no, I'm going to get right. caught. And then Rose is like, bravo. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, just like. Oh, aren't you? Yeah. Aren't you a little pistol with initiative or whatever it is? Yeah. Like, that's the type of that's work kind we of work ethic <laughs> we, we need around here. Like, pushing work off on others. Yeah. Way to delegate. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it has the potential to be a good boss, depending on your perspective I and mean, your position. I mean, she just doesn't seem like she would. Even near, like, the end, she's like, you know, do you still want your job? Because you were pretty good at it. Right. Which, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's valid at that point. We can talk a little bit about how that all goes down soon. Um, but first, I want to talk about the petty cash drawer stuff, because... Oh, yeah. She takes $3,000 worth of petty cash. No, she pretty much takes the entire drawer with her home. Not, but she did. No, she doesn't take the actual like thing with her. She doesn't take the physical drawer. She takes like all the cash that's in there. No, she took the little container that was in the drawer because when the younger children find that, they're going underneath and stealing from that little box. No, no, that's from her briefcase. Okay. Because so uh, she takes that entire. Carolyn and wall. Bruce open up the Mm-mm. petty cash drawer in her office. Oh, remember? and then they're like, oh, she's just spending money on this fashion show. Yeah, yeah, she, you know, she's stealing. So, yeah, she had it in her briefcase because they established earlier on that the kids steal from the mom, but the mom had eyes in the back of her head and they knew, and she, they knew, yeah. she knew that they were stealing from her and they're like, no, put it back. Mm-hmm. But Suellen doesn't know how to catch that. And so all these kids steal. Okay, all this so she cash. took the entire three thousand dollars and put it in her purse or yeah. her briefcase. I so would, why I would take, do it all at once, right? I would take like a hundred dollars yes. first. Take what you need, and not if you all. Need a little bit more than take a little bit more if you plan to replace it. Like she does plan to replace it. And yeah, so, if she just wants to, you know, buy groceries. Yeah. Just take what you the, need. And she calls it marketing, which makes me laugh. She's like, yeah. I'm going to the market and I'm go going marketing. marketing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I was like, is that an L.A. thing? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Was that like slang at the time or was that just her trying to be more adult than she was? And yeah. Mis- messing up terms. She's not like, I'm going grocery shopping. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she doesn't spend take like $100 just to spend on, you know, basic needs. No. For and her the babysitter and the obviously took everything all at once too. 
because they wouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. Yeah. The envelope was empty there, too. So there's just mismanagement of money in terms of, of that. Um, so the kids steal the money, and they spend it on, like, an entertainment system and other items and, like, a diamond ring for Zach's girlfriend. And these kids don't have much yeah i mean they're just other than to kenny buys like that waffle ones. press and did melissa even buy any the the younger sister i don't, think. I don't know if she I, did she took money because they all show them taking money like one at a time yeah i don't know but she just kept it she doesn't have much of a role in this at all like she has like a which i softball game wish or whatever in but in a way because like, I, I like that actress yeah she's she's been busy She's mostly, like, known in the horror horror. realm. Yeah, before this, she was in Halloween 4 and 5, before this movie even came out. She'll be in one, two, three, four more 1991 movies. She was busy, I guess. Yeah, Danielle Harris was was the name. Um, Including City Slickers. She has a bit part in City Slickers. She's probably, like, the daughter of... She was like, I think she's a guys. student in class. I think that's how uh, the credit okay. was. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, Last Boy Scout Killing Mine, Don't Touch My Daughter, City uh, Slickers. Okay. Um, that's where I saw her from. That's where I remember her from. What, Last Boy Scout? Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, yeah, she doesn't hardly do anything except for swing a bat at a ball. Yeah, Kenny just attends her sequence. baseball game because the mom never really had time to even see her play baseball. Yeah. She has less of a role a, than the dog, the, Elvis. the corgi Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> she Elvis has more of a purpose in this movie than yeah, she the, does. Yeah, the fake like growling or yeah, whining, growling at the babysitter and whatnot. And I wish she I like well, Elvis. I wish Elvis would have come in in the fashion show. Yeah, they should. They should have done some sort of dog collar yeah. or, or dog sweaters or something. Or have him, like, serve hors d'oeuvres or something. Oh, on his back? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, where was Elvis during this time? He probably was not all that trained. He was credited in the movie, and I looked to see if he was in any other movies. I didn't find anything else. So this is the only movie that that Gus the dog who played Elvis was in. So, anyway. Kids steal money. They buy entertainment system. Um, she gets her check. It's not enough to cover all the petty cash that she stole. And so she was. Yeah, she gets like. Very, she very thinks worried. she's going to get over a thousand and she doesn't understand the concept of taxes. No. <laughs> Financial I mean, literacy is not taught in schools. I mean, yeah, she's learning a lot because yeah. <laughs> she was like uh, something. And then she was like, I've never heard of blah, blah, blah tax before. Right. So yeah. she has like. $700 for that those two weeks. Yeah. So she can't do anything. And then also she like her salary, they tell her, her salary, she's getting 37,500, which is pretty good. That's really good for that time. Yeah, yeah cuz that's how much starting salaries are for like a paralegal now. Right. So I mean, that's a really good paying job. I mean, she was an executive's assistant. So it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, still, it's a ton of money, especially for someone that age. Yeah. I I mean, I know she was like, I, I know we're jumping back and forth and like near the end where Rose is like, you know, you can still have the job. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I kind of want to go to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
I don't know. I would take you that. Would yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If you're getting paid that much and it's like at that level yeah. already, like yeah. you don't even have to go to college or maybe you just use that money and save and then go to college like after a couple of years of doing that. That's true. It's worth considering, but not. But she's in terms seventeen, of the and you know you yeah. don't you don't think about that until you you're like twenty three. Yeah, like when you're twenty three, you're like, oh, I need a, a career. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you have the crippling debt from college, that's when you start to think, oh, I should do something. Right. <laughs> yeah, she wants to live her life. I get it. Um. So anyway. So they spend all this money, they get the entertainment center, and that's when Kenny starts watching Julia Child on TV with her with uh, his brother Walter, who's the, the one who watches game shows, and that's when he discovers his love for cooking, and he starts to... From watching Julia Child. Watching Julia Child, and starts baking and making all kinds of, like, gourmet waffles and all kinds of other stuff around the house, and so... To the point where... <laughs> his start to turn yeah. his life around right. sequence. But it's to the point where he becomes, like, the caterer for this yeah. show, for their fashion show, and he's making, like, pate, like, all yeah. these things that he, you learn I don't quick. even know how to make. <laughs> well, did you watch Julia Child obsessively? But, I mean, those, the <laughs> recipes that he's making for hundreds of people, and I don't know yeah, how many yeah. random, you know, it's it's looks like it's just him making this. I mean, he must yeah, have had to made these things, like, days in advance. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> he, he knows how to pay, make, like, you know, all these random hors d'oeuvres. Right. Like, fancy pate type things. He knows how to apply himself when, I know. when he, uh... When he gets the itch to actually apply himself. Um, oh, by the way, I should probably say Kenny was played by uh, Keith Coogan. Yeah. Who was in Adventures of Babysitting as well. Yes. Um, he will be in Toy Soldiers, another 1991 movie. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's also the grandson of Jackie Coogan, who uh, you may know him as Uncle Fester from the Adams Family Show. Oh, yeah. But he was also a very famous child actor. He was the kid in Charlie Chaplin's The Kid. And there's like a child labor, um, I don't know if it's a law, I don't know if it's child labor law, but there's a law called Coogan's Law, uh, because Jackie Coogan's parents basically stole all of his acting money. Mm. And now there's laws against that and prevent that from happening so easily because of what happened to Jackie Coogan. So Keith Coogan is now the grandson and benefiting. I mean... That's been happening for a lot of child yeah, actors. But there's like even to this day, I think. But there's like protections and ways to like sue your parents for it now. Mm. Type yeah. of a thing. Like back then it was like, Oh, we never promised you you would have all that money. Like mm. this you know, we never said that you could have any of the money that you got from acting. This is our money. Yeah, because you are my child. Yeah. Like you are my property. You got you made this money for me. Not for right. you. You made it for me. And now there's laws that say the child has rights right. to their own money. And if the parents mess them up, then they can, you know, get restitution. So, I mean, we can sort of, like, get to the end at this point because, okay, she needs money. Um, and part of the reason why she needs money so fast is because the company is all of a sudden falling apart, which is makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's like, it's a company that makes uniforms for, like... 
random positions like chefs and maid uniforms and uh, like nurses uniforms. And Rose was working to get this massive contract with the schools to get school uniforms put into place. Right. And that fell through, which for some reason means the end of the company. Because it they doesn't were so, make sense. They were like, these uniforms look like trash, basically. But the company was in a like good place. Like, that's their only client or something? Well, no. That, I mean, that's, that's my whole thing. They weren't even a client yet. There was no finalized contract. This is going to be a new source of revenue for them. Right. And it just didn't happen. And they're already an established... They're company. already established and perfectly fine from all the other clients that they and have. contracts that they have... This was just going to be a new thing that would really take them to another level, and it doesn't happen. But because it doesn't happen, the company's going to close. And, yeah, that's when Sue Ellen's like, I have ideas. Sue Ellen goes down into, like, where the seamstresses are and Mm -hmm. whatever, and she's looking at random clothes, and she's just, like, mixing and matching things and, like, let's give these clothes brighter colors, basically. Yeah. So Sue Ellen is, like... Trying to do things to help save the company. She's, like, working overtime and actually doing her job and doing other people's jobs and, like, helping with the fashion side of things and basically doing all of this amazing stuff um, and creating new fashion and everything. And all of this for a contract that was supposed to triple their existing profits. Mm-hmm. And because it doesn't fall through, or because it fell through, they no longer have any money at all. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Um, but for some reason, it's up to Sue Ellen to save the company. Yeah. <laughs> and she puts on this fashion show at her house because <laughs> I mean, she doesn't want, yeah. she, what, they, she doesn't they, want to spend, she can't, she, she spent can't all spend the money on like a ballroom or anything because she already had the money stolen by her siblings. Younger siblings, yeah. And so she covers by saying, well, let's just hold it at my house. And, like, and it so would that's be a way fabulous to like prevent blah, blah, blah. the petty cash problem from being discovered. Right. Um, no one's, I mean, some people are, like, questioning, how are you a 20-something-year-old woman with, she says that yeah. her younger siblings are pretty much her kids, because, you know, the youngest brother breaks his arm at some point. Leg. Oh, his Falling leg. off okay. the roof trying to get the antenna to work because his TV, TV, his yeah. precious TV doesn't work. Which I've jumped off an antenna before at my house just for fun, <laughs> but and you know, probably people are surprised that, that she has fell. children because she even calls her younger sister her daughter. Yeah, yeah, just to try to cover for lies. Right, and we never even talked about Gus, by the way. No, we, we <laughs> no, we Gus. haven't. And I was like, are we gonna? I guess we should, right? Like. He's such an afterthought when the movie's all said and done, but man, he he takes up a lot of time. Um, Gus is like Rose's boyfriend who also works at the company. Gus works at the company. Um, we'll see him again in Curly Sue. He was in Blood Simple on the Fly, a guy named John Getz. Um, and he's basically like just this lecherous, sleazy dude who's hitting on anything and everything he, he can. Uh, mm-hmm. Most notably... Sue Ellen, who's a seventeen-year-old, unbeknownst to him, but still, yeah, but yeah but he's dating. He uh, knows that Rose. she's younger. Yes, like yeah. at least she's twenties, and he's what, like forties. Forties, and like almost all of his conversations are 
more direct than what we this saw from This is sexual Danny harassment, DeVito. like, beyond... Yeah. Yeah. Beyond the nth degree, but... Yeah, Danny DeVito level in other people's money. Yeah, and sometimes worse. And he just, you know, cover, he's the type of guy who will cover it up by saying, oh, well, I was just kidding, unless you want to. Yeah. But then, I'm, you know, I'm just kidding. Oh, you don't want to sleep with me? It's like, oh, okay, well, I was just kidding. It's a joke. I don't know. He's 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 but creepy. At least I'm I'm glad she like smile stood too. up for herself to him multiple times. Yeah, just never reported it to anybody specifically. Right. Well, until, until the very the end. Very end. Yeah. Um, but probably no consequences because it was '90s and a movie. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Like, but yeah, so Gus most is most likely happening like to this day. So, yeah, yeah. In so office buildings. He, or just, office he adds that extra level of this is what the real world is like for young professionals, unfortunately, in some cases. Like you have to deal with this garbage as well as like all the other garbage of trying to be a person working in in industries. Um Yeah, he's he's not a I don't know if those scenes are supposed to be funny or if they're just supposed to, if they're supposed to be off-putting. Like is Yeah, he didn't even need to be there at all. I mean, he just left he just added another dynamic of conflict. Yeah, it's where and another she's, thing to sort of like hide. She's trying way. to act like an adult. And I guess that also leads to the point where I don't think the movie was all that funny. I think that's part of my problem with it. Like it the progression of it moved along fine for the most part, but I just, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't laughing most of the time. It wasn't mostly when like the funny scenario, like Kenny, like his, with him and his friends. Yeah. I, I mean, a little bit. He was like a fuck up and, you know, he's like skeet shooting the dishes off of the roof and saying, oh, the dishes are done, dude. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, yeah, there's a line, but it's mostly him. Cause making me laugh. And because she's like, don't you have any pride? And he's like, no, (laughs) no, I don't (laughs) like a lot of the stuff that he was saying. I I guess that that's kind of like how I was. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like there was a lot of the movie is full of like a lot of adult situations where she just felt overwhelmed and didn't know what to do. And. That didn't really make it funny. It's like, you know, it's coming of age and it's kind of like, you know, another working girl in a way, like a young working girl <laughs> movie yeah. mixed with like adventures and babysitting. Like it just didn't have types of, I don't know. It could have had more lines in it to make it funny. Yeah. Instead, it relied a lot, I think, on. It was like Kenny and his friends. Sort of exaggerated characters around it. And just like... Because they were even making fun of David Duchovny's Right, character. yeah, that part was kind of fun. Like when they were chauffeuring, or not chauffeuring, uh, valet, valeting <laughs> the car. Gosh, not chauffeuring. When they're valeting the car at the event and like making fun of them. And uh, when they bring the car back and it's like all TP'd and stuff like that shit. Then, you know, that kind of thing's funny. I enjoyed that. <laughs> or like, I don't know, how sick of Rose or how sick of Carolyn Rose is. And, yeah. and like Carolyn like comes up to her and says, you, we need to talk about Sue Ellen. And Rose is like, 
what is it, Carolyn? Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing is funny. Like that's so, a and then good that's line. The other, like, and then you know, once they reveal that Sue Ellen is a teen, yeah, at that fashion show, because the the, does the mom Car- comes. I mean, does, everything goes to shit at the. Fashion does show. Carolyn become the new executive assistant? Oh, probably not. Okay. I doubt that Rose would have any sort of patience for her. <laughs> I just was wondering. Well, now what's going to happen? Is Car- that's and then I was thinking, since Carolyn and Suellen do not like each other that much, and Suellen is dating Carolyn's younger brother, mm-hmm. does she? Does Suellen? Conti- it seems as if Suellen continues to date Brian, so she's gonna have to like if they're gonna be serious, she's gonna have to meet his family, and she's gonna meet up with Carolyn again. Yeah. But, I mean, and they hate each other. But, I mean, they hate each other because of how she the took, job was stolen. And that would be off the table. But wouldn't so who Carolyn, knows? Fine. Carolyn seems like or, the type of person that would give her shit for the rest of her life. She's like, oh, oh you're, yeah, the te- you're the teen that took my job. Or but they whatever. might just, you know, who cares? Laugh about it. We'll, we'll find out if they, if they ever make a sequel, right? You know, if they do, don't tell mom the babysitter is still dead or something or even deader. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because the, the the fashion show, <laughs> right? We still haven't talked, talked about, about it so many times. I mean, we, we started talking about it. Like, okay, she gets like a really fancy thing, like with lights. Yeah, all those and lights like, and uh, the sound system. Where is that money coming from? And a catwalk and like all these hors d'oeuvres and whatnot. And they, you know, the, the whole... The whole family bands together and they clean up the house once and for all. Mm-hmm. The lawn is finally mowed um, and they do this amazing setup and everything. <coughs> and everything's going well until it doesn't because everything starts to go to shit because Brian comes unannounced um, trying to confess his love for whatever it is for Swell. Um, and he, he doesn't know that the fashion show is happening. The mom comes home a week early. And so Swellen, who's giving the presentation on top of everything else, like she's like, you know, the MC of the event, like announcing all these different fashions is like trying to whip through it so she can, I mean, run can off we the comment stage. on the fashion. I was going to ask you what you thought of the fashion. Since <laughs> when you I was, are, you know, you know, the, the project runway watcher of the family here. <laughs> so as a kid, I loved that fashion. Yeah. But now I was like, I wouldn't. I mean, these are supposed to be. They're uniforms. Work outfits. Yeah, they're supposed to be uniforms for like nurses and chefs yeah. and you know bellhops or whatever. Yeah, it's just very over the top. Yeah, like a nurse is not gonna wear like a a spandex dress with like laced high tops mm-hmm. and like you know ballet slipper type things. And I think they had like a colored <laughs> referees uniform as well, which just simply would not be allowed or like just a, because of the way the sports are coordinated. Yeah, you can't yeah. have like colors that could also it has match to be black team. and white not yeah, like neon the... yellow and green or right. whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so. then it's just i mean that fashion was just very 90s yes teen fashion 
brought to the uh, whatever. But but the I fashion's mean, a success. Yeah, all the, the clients that were there loved it, and they wanted multiple orders of whatever she came up with. They didn't care that the presentation itself went to, to hell. Yeah, uh, they, they just loved the that clothes. fashion, and they liked to see this the sense, like, how a teen, you know, they have a young person's eye on fashion. Mm-hmm. And they gave Rose props for hiring a 17-year-old. Yes. Like, they thought this was... To get was, that teen perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, but, everything just falls into place for her. There's, oh yeah. like, nothing goes, like... If this happened in the real world, people would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that wouldn't make for an interesting... I mean, I know, maybe I'm it just, would make for an interesting movie, if, but it wouldn't make for a movie. If the movie was going to be called The Real World, make it... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, The Real World TV show wasn't fully real either. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, everything works out for her. The mom comes home early and sees that, you know, all of the role reversals, how how her young daughter, or her, I mean, how yeah, her she's oldest daughter is that now like a there's mother. There's all these people at her house. Yeah. But um, appreciates and sees the changes in Kenny, who's now going by Kenneth and is a cook. <laughs> um, and how, like, you know, all the kids respect her and are actually doing things and whatnot. And, and so um, her anger quickly sort of subsides <laughs> when she sees... All the progress that has been made. Um, and I think that was, you know, I think that was a decent scene. It wasn't very funny, of course, um, but it quickly showed how all the dynamics changed in like, you know, in one little. Yeah, in a span of a couple months. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't have to spend a lot of words and dialogue on it. They just kind of like had a couple sentences and, and the actions that showed how all the dynamics changed. So they did a good job with that. Um, overall, I think the cooldown of the movie was a bit too long because there were, like, too many character plots to resolve. So, like, you know, Swell had to resolve things with Brian and then had, you know, the scene with the mom and then, like, the son, Kenny, had to have his little moment of whatever. Like, there's just too many. And then, you know, with the boss, there's, like, too many things to wrap up. Mm-hmm. And like Rose with Gus and like all these things that had to be tied up. And the one thing that they didn't tie up became the punchline for the movie before the credits where it's like, but what happened to the babysitter? And, and then, then credits. <laughs> credits. Um, and then they show that the mortician intakers yeah, d- uh, there's had no, taken the there's money. There's no bloopers, but they show during the credits what happened to Mrs. Turek. Yeah. So the, the mortician intakers had uh, had had used the money from that nice old lady, and they're to buy her land, <laughs> a <laughs> plot, knows? and they have a grave that says "nice old lady buried her." Here. Yeah, they don't even want to natural causes. They they don't even want to find out who this woman is, what her right. name is. Yeah, they don't. I, they knows? just said this nice old lady is buried here. Yes, died of natural causes. <laughs> And then they say, hey, do you have any of that money left like, over? Like, why would, didn't Vegas? they call the cops or an ambulance be, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, be, and be like, there's a random old dead lady here? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I know. It's just a little, that, that was like, you know, at least an attempt at humor. Um, those mortician people, by the way, uh, were the producers of the movie. 
Robert oh. Newmeyer and Brian Riley, who have both since passed, unfortunately. They're both no longer with us. They've also done Santa Claus and Jungle to Jungle and other like Disney-type movies in their career. Um, and that's, I mean... A lot of people in this cast went on to just do, like, much better, greater things. Yeah. Yeah, this is a decent cast for that. Um, every once in a while you get those movies where... Although, I mean, not everyone had their, their big moments, unfortunately. Um, I'd say probably the biggest success, though, of the movie is someone who appeared at the very, very beginning. Because we didn't talk about this, but the the movie opens to, like, this weird, like, custom song about how the babysitter's dead. Oh, and then there's, like, this animated like a, opening. An, yeah. And then, like, uh, it's sort of like a Bl- Bill Plimpton-ish cartoon, but not exactly his style of, like, this grandmother-looking character being really annoying, and then the movie title crushes her. Mm-hmm. Um, that grandma is voiced by Dan Castellaneta. Mm-hmm. So he probably had the greatest success out of everybody in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was, like, on season two of Simpsons at this point. Had not hit it big. It was still looking for that extra cash. Oh, one other thing we didn't really talk about too much that I do kind of want to touch on is the score of the movie. Oh, yeah. Because that was, again, very annoying, typical comedy garbage. That's the same uh, composer as... Other yes. People's Money. Yes. The same composer, David Newman, who <laughs> did Other People's Money, whose score we hated, did this too. It's really obnoxious. At times, the music just does not fit. It sort of sounds like an action movie. Yeah. It's, it's like a comedy scene. Like, this guy just made, like, stock-type music. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. He's just, like, he he's just, like, stockpiles, like, a whole bunch of, like, riffs and, you know, melodies Sells or whatever. Sells it to random and then, movie production companies or... Here you go. If you need a, TV. If you need a quick and easy score, yeah. I can... It's, like, yeah, it's almost like stock music of the day. Because he did what? I don't know. I didn't he did a lot. Time. I don't know. He did he a did, lot of movies. He did a lot more than a normal person would. And then even in just the year of 1991, he did like eight movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to see this person again. Yeah. So More times. But I think, you know, why we think it's the typical comedy garbage music is because he's done so many that it becomes the typical. Like we, you know, we see all of his or we hear all of his music everywhere. It's mm-hmm. just, it's flooding, <laughs> it's omnipresent, seeping into the ether. We've talked about it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, talk about the writers really quickly. Neil Landau and Tara Eisen uh, both wrote the same episode of Doogie Hauser at one point, and it looks like they went on to do different stuff. Tara Eisen didn't do a whole lot. She did one episode of the Ace Ventura TV series, the cartoon, um, but not a whole lot after that. Uh, Neil Landau went and worked on The Secret World of Alex Mack, which is, you know, one of my favorite Nickelodeon shows from back in the yeah. day. Uh, Melrose Place and also MTV's Undressed. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love Undressed. Yeah, Undressed was an <laughs> underrated show. Yes. Um, Stephen Herrick, the director, this was his debut. Oh, no, I wasn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote my notes wrong. His debut was writing and directing Critters. We will see Critters 3 as a 1991 movie. I don't know if he was involved in that yet. Well, we're going to have to watch Critters 1 and 2. Yeah, so we'll 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 at some point try to watch that in preparation for 3 when we get to that. Um, He was probably most notably directing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, He also did The Mighty Ducks. 
Mr. Holland's opus, which is weird. Um, and like he's also he does all these TV, random like, comedies, and then you go to Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. So that's that's Stephen Herrick. Um, and then yeah, I mean we talked about most of the cast. Christine Applegate, we all already know who she is, right? She played Swell. Uh, was already entrenched with Married with Children quite a bit. This is like her fourth or fifth, fifth season of Married yeah, with Children. Yeah, she was like right. This was like her first, you know, movie one of, role. Yeah, one of her first t- uh, movie roles after, or just after being, or not even after during, during the filming of Married with Children. Yeah, trying to branch out, which I think is smart because um, she played a very, very ditzy character. In that, and I think she yeah. wanted to show that she was, you know, a well-rounded person who could do other things, sort of like what we talked about with Woody Harrelson back in the day, mm, um, yeah. with Doc Hollywood. I think this is like one of her attempts at, at showing, yeah, look, I'm more than just this character. I don't want to be typecast anymore. Um, she, before this, she had done a movie in 1990 called Streets, which I'm kind of curious about. It seems like it's about a uh, renegade cop who's trying to kill prostitutes. Hmm. So it's like a. A darker movie, which didn't got, didn't get too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you find out that she's like very good at comedy. Oh yeah, I mean, I never really watched Married with Children. I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't supposed to watch it, and so I. I, I, I mean, I did. But... I honored my parents' wishes with that. <laughs> okay. It didn't seem like it was a show that would appeal to me all that much, anyway. Um, so I don't know how she was in that, but she, yeah, I can she, imagine it'd be easy. She to plays tell her the ditzy role chops. well. Yeah, you could probably tell how good she was at comedy from watching that show too. Uh, but yeah, she's definitely branched out into more comedic stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen Dead to Me, which is where she's getting a lot more of her accolades these days. But is that that's not a comedy, is it? It's or like a dark. Pseudo? It's a dark comedy. Okay. But, yeah, she's good in that, too. Yeah, she's gotten uh, Golden Globe nominations for those shows, as well as Samantha Who, which I don't think was I never was watched anything. Samantha Who. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, the, the person who played Zach uh, is also, unfortunately, no longer with us. He passed away in 2000 uh, at 24 years old from an accidental drug overdose. Um, so he's... He was also in an episode of Undressed, it looks like. Hmm. So we got that connection. Uh, he's going to be in 1991 movies Fatal Exposure and Point Break, so we'll see him again. He was also in the Young Writers TV show, but uh, he didn't have much of a career, unfortunately, because of his drug habit, which apparently also affected this movie to some degree. Huh. And they had to cut hit around or uh, not shoot some of the planned scenes of Zack uh, because of his drug addictions. Wow. I don't know, teen. Uh, it's it's rough. Being a child, child te- and teen actor during that time sounded really scary. From yeah. just you know reading stuff about like Corey, like the two Corys, basically. Yeah, there's they, so they many brought stories that out. Like that. Yeah, more into the limelight. Absolutely. Um, Oh, the one other kid we didn't talk about is Walter, played by Robert High Gorman. Uh, he was in Falcon, Falcon Crest before this, several episodes of that. Um, he's also in a couple of 1991 TV-type movies that are on our list. Um, and then he went on to do Forever Young, 
Leprechaun, and probably the one I would have recognized him from is Mr. Nanny. Okay. So. That's the casting crew, for the most part. Uh, one quick award to talk about. All right. From our favorite, the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, now your interest is peaked. Well, I was like, like what oh. would be, I was like, what would the category be? Uh, it was Most Desirable Female. Oh, Christina Applegate? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but she lost. She did not win. Do you want to take a guess as to who did win? Oh, Julia Roberts or something. No. <laughs> Linda Hamilton for wow, Terminator okay. 2. I don't think Julia Roberts was nominated. Not, like, I mean, she's in three movies in 1991, and I'm just assuming Julia Roberts because she's, like, you know, probably the prettiest woman alive at that time. But Linda Hamilton got it. All right, I forget good who for else was nominated, but I know like Tia Carrere was for Wayne's World. Okay. Since there was like that, you know, it wasn't oh, a street was, 1991. Yeah, it was like 1991, 1992 movies. Yeah, and I think there was another 1992 movie that was nominated for this too, but I don't remember. But anyway, I'll look it up. I'll try to remember next time that award crosses our desk. <laughs> so that's the awards talk. Um I do want to start with some pop culture, I guess, and then we'll let you do your any true crime or pop culture stuff. Because I, I made a note of throughout the movie, there's a cover song for uh, Dragon the Line. Yeah. Which I was like, why are they doing a cover song? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense. For it's weird rights? that they're using this. I don't know. Maybe. But it was weird that they were using that song to begin with. It's not, I don't know, it's not hip with the kids. <laughs> um but the original was done by Tommy James, who was formerly of the Shondells. Um, this version was done by a group called Beat Goes Bang. The reason I want to mention it is because I looked at their credits. They That band only has songs in three movies, all of them in 1991. Hmm. This one. Um, and then they also have an original song called Do You Believe that was in the movies For the Boys, which is a Liza Minnelli movie, and Hang In With The Homeboys. So completely different movies. Uh, <laughs> Martin Lawrence movie, uh, Hanging with the Homeboys, and then For the Boys with Liza Minnelli. Um, evidently, that band was being hyped as, like, the next big thing in pop music. Okay. And, like, they were going to go on tour for with Duran Duran, and, like, everybody, like, they were being played on local radio and, like, winning all these contests of, like, this is this song is better than Madonna, this song is better than whatever. Mm, so, okay. Um, And so they signed with a record company called Enigma Records, and uh, Enigma Records went bankrupt before the record was even released. And the rights to that record were never picked up by anyone else because grunge hit very shortly thereafter, Mm. and nobody wanted that poppy sound anymore. So the album was never officially released, but apparently some of it is possibly on YouTube now. Um, There is a song called Miss Thing, which features Jermaine Stewart, uh, the singer of We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off to Have a Good Time. Okay. Um, so they have a song called Miss Thing. I listened to it. It's okay. I don't know. Whatever. We'll put that on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I got all that off of Discogs.com um, after seeing, huh, only 1991? That's weird. What is this band? And then doing a little bit of a deep dive. So that's my pop culture slash pausing on the credits for this episode. Okay. Beat Goes Bang. You're going to do a where are they now? 
They're touring again. <laughs> That's where they are where now. Where are they now? An MTV yeah, special. They, they don't have an official album, but evidently they do live appearances here and there, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they broke up in, like, 1992. The, the, so, one year later. Yeah, they broke up, yeah, before anyone picked up their album, so... Mm. They never made any more official music after that. So what do you got for true crime pop culture? I looked up to see if this was based off of a true story mm-hmm. <laughs> or anything like that. And it is not. Oh. <laughs> you were excited <laughs> for that? Weekend at Bernie's also probably was not. Yeah, but I, I did like a, you know, was this based off of anything that's true? And no, it wasn't. No. But I did read that they are now working on doing a diverse remake of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And it's in works at Treehouse Pictures. Okay. And uh, this is as of last year. It's being written by Chuck Hayward, who he wrote for or has written for like grownish, mixed-ish, he, oh, okay. dear white people. Okay. And then Billy Woodruff will be directing, and I only know him from doing some directing for the TV show Empire. Okay. And he used to be a music video director. Ah. Mostly for... So he was a a video director for a lot of Tony Braxton songs. Back in the 90s? Back in the 90s. Okay. But he also did a lot of videos. For, I mean, not just her. I just... When I looked him up, I was like, oh, he did Unbreak My Heart. Yeah, I was going to say, did he do Unbreak My Heart? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> then I've seen his work. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and it doesn't say who's going to star in it. It just says it's being written, and Billy Ruderiff will be the director. And other stuff that I found out was just, you know, this movie had a lot of filming locations in L.A. And on this, I found just random location spots on L.A. Magazine where... The Clown Dog restaurant was called the All-American Burger, and it was on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, but it was torn down in 2010, and it's a Chipotle now, so... So when we were in L.A., however many years ago, we probably could have gone, because we were in L.A. in 2008. 2007, I guess so. Maybe? But it wouldn't have had the clown dog branding. No, it, it, it was All-American just a... Whatever branding. Yeah, it, it was just, you know, this burger place. And um, their house, which is... Loc- it's in located in uh, the house where, um, you know, the Crandall family lives. I don't even know if we said, like, their last name. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I also just realized I never said the name of the character, uh, name of the actor who played Zach. I just said that he passed away in 2000. Uh, Christopher Pettit, Pettit, P E T T I E T. So I want to at least get that on the record. Okay. Yeah, anyway. the Crandall family, their large home, that's located in Santa Clarita, which is north of L.A. Sure. So it's like over. 
It's way out of the outer limits. It's maybe, I don't know, an hour up. Yeah, but they don't establish exactly where they are in the movie. They just say... Yeah. And they fake that stuff all the time. Right, and then I also learned that that house was the backdrop and used for the TV show Just the Ten of Us. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah, yeah. Didn't they have the the um, Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street in it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's she was how one I of knew the her. daughters. Oh, okay. That's how oh. I knew her before Elm Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, and then just other random locations like the restaurant that Gus took Sue Ellen was this restaurant called Ocean, and it was it's in Santa Monica, but it's now Adele Frisco's Grill. I don't know if that's like. Mm-hmm still around today and then kind of cool if it was like the same restaurant that they use in doc hollywood for the end oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been interesting. i don't it kind of looked like it uh, i don't know and then i guess fancy. the chuck e cheese which may or may not be there now it's now a showbiz pizza <laughs> <laughs> right it it was in sun valley california if if it is still there, it might be one of the largest Chuck E. Cheese's, and it might actually have, like, the stage show, because a lot of the Chuck E. Cheese's these days I'm, don't have, it, like, the full stage This L.A. Magazine article, this is from 2015, so with what's happening in the past year. Yeah. All of it's gone. It's probably, like, All just, it's just a strip, like, an empty strip mall at this yeah. point. It's just condos. Maybe. Or Everything. They turn you know, it into Chipotle, it's a condo now. Right. So I'm moving on to top songs. Top songs. And what happened on this day that this movie was released as of June 7th, 1991. A couple people who are famous were Mm -hmm. born on this day. All right. It's been a while since we've had a note. Yeah, we haven't done that since the first episode. (laughs) Yeah, because... I always find out, you know, famous birthdays or famous deaths, and a lot of the birthdays or deaths are people I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. It's usually people from other countries, like, you know, politicians or just, you know, soccer players from, you know, right other parts of the world that I don't know of. I mean, I could name them, they but I don't be know. They famous if, to people out there, but we don't know yeah. that they're famous enough to mention. Right. So the two that I know of is Emily Ratajkowski. She's mm-hmm. a model. She was in the movie Gone Girl. If oh, was you, she? Yeah, she was like the woman that he cheats on his wife with. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, was she in True Detective as well, or was she... No, that's a different I, actress. Getting, I know who you're t- thinking of, but... I'm getting those roles confused, but it's the same basic concept of that character. Yeah. Yeah. And Fetty Wap was born... Same day, June 7th, 1991. And he's a rapper, if anyone doesn't know that. I only know that he is a rapper. I don't know what he has rapped. (laughs) I'm not going to go with... I'm way out of... I've heard... He does a lot of... Musical mainstream. More like what is known as trap music. Okay. Which I've heard of stuff. It's... I mean, it's fine. I'm not a huge trap guy. Yeah. I don't know. We're old. I don't know. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> um, okay, so going on to the top songs, 
Back to the music we do listen to. <laughs> right. And these are diff- a little bit different. Oh. So it's no Brian oh, Adams. Because we're in June, right? So there's a... Yeah. Okay. The number one song in the U.S. is Extremes More Than Words. Okay. <laughs> I... Yeah, I used to listen to that song a lot. I knew... I mostly knew it from, like, the compilation CD commercials, where it's like they would do, like, three seconds yeah, and then yeah. move on and to song. And that's, like, the only extreme... Because they're mostly known as, like, a rock band, not this, you know, ballad. Mm-hmm. Because that song is not very extreme. Yeah. <laughs> The top song in the UK and also the top R&B song was Car- Color Me Bad's I Want to Sex You Up. Okay, I was wondering when that would pop up. Oh, so, this song is number yeah. one? Yeah, I, I, I figured it was probably good, bound to happen I mean, sooner it, or later. New, I th- new Jack City was, like, you know, released around this time, like summertime. Okay. And that was, you know, in New Jack City. Yeah, making love until we drown. Yes. <laughs> Some of the weirdest. We can do it until we both, both wake, wake up. up. We can, you know. <laughs> we can do it until we both wake up, making love until we drown. Yes. Video on the website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. I have the I have the tape because I really like that song. As an 11-year-old, yeah, I was a, listening to. It's not a bad to, song. It's just like the lyrics are. I mean, the music that's out now that people get so mad about, it's like the music that I was listening to when I was a kid was I want to sex you up. Right. And let's talk about sex. Yeah. Like they literally had the word sex in it. Like the word, the, the music or the, in, in high school, the song of like you're dancing too close and it's about, I'm getting a bone. Yeah. And they yeah. play that song at my prom. And right. they, <laughs> and, like, and then I, I went to an all girls Catholic high school. So, and they don't even like, I don't know. It's on the radio. It doesn't have any explicit curse words. So it's good. They're they, not weed. I mean, my high school banned to become one by <laughs> Spice Girls, but they allow, but they allow the too close song. to be played. Yeah. And we can move on. Yeah. That, that's not 1991, so we don't know. No, get it to, isn't. That video will not be on the website. All right. I was going to look up TGIS stuff, but it was pretty much now we're getting to a lot of the same, you know, usuals. Mm hmm. And I mentioned earlier that there were two people on in this movie that were also in a TV show together besides Sports Night. I didn't know that. Yep. Was Kimmy Roberts and David Duchovny. They were both in Twin Peaks. And so I decided to look up Twin Peaks. And guess what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Twin Peaks was on June 10th, the Monday after this was this movie was released. The very last two episodes of the entire, well, the series, because, you know, Twin Peaks was only two seasons at this yeah, time. At the, at the start, yep. Uh, the very last two episodes aired June 10th, 1991. Oh. Huh. Look at that. Bob had uh, infiltrated. Yeah. So those were two intense hours. I bet. Of TV. Yeah, they probably, yeah. So I guess they treated it sort of like as a, like a movie finale event. Yeah. At the end. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was such an, a huge sensation that passed me by. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't thing, watch I was it. Not into yeah, I mean, stuff I was you know ten or eleven, and I think if I watched that when I was ten or eleven, I'd be like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, pretty much my only exposure, and maybe we'll talk about it because I don't know when Kyle McLaughlin hosted SNL. Oh, um, did they do like a they did a parody, parody? sketch, and okay. like Jan Hooks had to like run in and out, and like she was like getting you know. They made, like, a special note of her getting out of breath because she was, like, the only female cast member who could, like, uh, you know, do all these different characters, like Log Lady and whoever okay. else. And so, like, she was out of breath and, like, you know, there's, like, a sideline of, like, you know. I, th- there's the also, like, a Simpsons episode. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah, where Lisa's, like, follow the clues. Yeah. There's that. And then also um, when... Homer is watching a TV show and it's like a man dancing with a white horse. Mm. And he's like, I don't get it, but I still want to <laughs> yeah. watch or something like that. It's like, wow, wow. this is amazing. I have no, no idea, idea what's going, going on. That, that's yeah. exactly what Twin Peaks is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't start t- watching Twin Peaks until I was like later in high school and then maybe even early college. I don't know. When I saw the movie, I actually saw the movie first, mm. Fire Walk With Me, and mm-hmm. then watched. But, I mean, that's kind of how the it went. The chrono- chronology. That's the chronology. So yeah. I watched it the correct way, but, you know, the first two seasons came out first and then the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I just knew it was something I wanted to watch because of... You know, like when I worked at the video store, Uh I used to work at Hollywood Video back when that was a thing that existed. Um, And yeah, people would rent the Fire Walk With Me video or they would rent the series because they did have VHS copies of it. So, you know, I knew it was like a cool thing to watch or, you know, something that would be like Mm -hmm. interesting and had like a cult following. And so I was interested from that perspective. But glad I finally was able to to enjoy it with you later on. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's all I got. Rankings and ratings time. On your one to five star scale, where would you put Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Uh, I wanted to give this movie like a four or five because I really love this movie just uh-huh. for like nostalgia reasons. Yeah. But I mean, there are obvious. I'm not going to give this movie is not better than The Fisher King. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not going to give it a a five. five. No. (laughs) So I'll give this a three. Okay. I don't hate. I mean, I still love this movie for you know obvious like nostalgia reasons. Sure. But I mean, you know, because of all the plot holes and whatever you know that we talked about. Yeah. It's just it's a good movie. I'm going to go kind of the opposite direction because I don't have the nostalgia for it. I'm going to say it's a one and a half for me on my zero to four star scale. And again, I don't think it's a bad movie. Like, it, it, the pacing is generally good until the end. And, like, all the characters are interesting. The situations in general are interesting. But, like, it wasn't... Like I said, I was expecting more of an adventure, and I didn't get what I wanted. Um, so that hurts it. And that was my, you know, my false impressions. And the movie suffers because of it. And, two, I just don't think it's really that funny. I think, I don't know, maybe the comedy that was there just doesn't age, but it didn't seem like there was all that many jokes, but it's still fun to watch. So it's, it's a one and a half, but like a good one and a half stars. 
Okay. So leading into the question, would you watch this again? I think your answer is definitely going to be yes. Yeah, I would watch this over and over and over again. And I would too. Like, I think, I mean, honestly, that last half hour is probably the best part of the movie. Yeah. You know, the the fashion show scene where everything starts to come together and, like, things are happening and there's, like, intrigue and there's people, you know, conflicts that are rising every couple seconds and there's a bunch of different characters who are different. You know, like, there's stuff happening, like, all the time and it's done well and it's wrapped up in a nice bow for the most part. Like, so, yeah, I would definitely watch it again. Um, I prefer just to watch the beginning and the end and skip the middle but you know i can't always do that uh and if you out there want to watch don't tell mom the babysitter's dead as of this recording in april 2021 it's available on hbo max digital rental vhs and dvd as always check your local listings as for us you can listen to our podcast on all the major platforms please rate review subscribe tell your friends you can email us at 1991moviewrewind@gmail.com. at gmail.com of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to keep the dying theme alive. We had Freddy's dying. Dead, <laughs> Freddy's Dead, Babysitter's Dead, and now we're going to do A Kiss Before Dying. That one's available on HBO, VHS, and DVD. No digital rental for that one. Um, we'll see you then. Thanks.